Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you all you teachers, administrators, students jumping back into the mix, but it's good to be back with you and wanted to just say thank you to you as a church family for the opportunity to um, be away for a couple weeks and we missed being with you, but the chance just to rest and refuel was good and you know one of the areas I thought I'd share that the Lord was working in my heart was in the uh, area of perspective. And it just hit me again, one of the, on one day I was thinking about what the time Jesus said to his disciples, come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. And I was thinking, why would Jesus need to do that? Why does he call us to do that? And then it occurred to me that, and maybe you've sensed this in your own life, in the rush and routine of everyday life, big things can become little and little things can become big. Have you felt that? When you're just cranking and, and uh, running at, at high speeds, big things. Um, God's presence and his promise, his calling on our lives, the people around us that matter most can shrink. And then little things, those everyday problems that can consume our thinking and, and uh, just mess with this can become so big, almost out of proportion. And it's in those moments that we step away with the Lord and in the shadow of Almighty just rest, that, that our perspective is renewed, isn't it? And God just reminds us, all right, now let's look at your life again with the backdrop of my greatness. And man, it, it is, our, our life doesn't change, our circumstance doesn't change, but God does a work, doesn't he? A restorative work and just reminds us that and things of life take their proper size again. The big things become big, the little things become little. And then after, when we're walking out of it, and hopefully every Sunday we experience this in Sabbath, but also as we take those times of rest, we're, we're filled with strength to serve him and to run on. And that Isaiah 40, 31, 30, 31 um, works in our life. So, so appreciated God's work and, and also the opportunity to do that or, or to be away, but good to be back together. And, and don't you love this uh, pick of our... Best advice ever series. And uh, Team Nair up here, and this is Hoosier Land, precious um, gift of family. But how do we live in a wise way as we do life as family? This year our theme has been follow Jesus into a life of doing good. And one of the primary arenas in which we do good, we've been called to do good, is family. And so how do we do that? And God has given us... And I was just reflecting on this precious gift. The one who created the universe, made us, knows how life works, has given us an entire book in the Bible just committed to wisdom in living. And if you could crack the book of Proverbs for like three seconds and it could say something, I, I think I know what it would say. Proverbs chapter 4, 7 sums it up. It would, it would be this. It would be Solomon saying this. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. That, that verse says, get wisdom. If it costs all you have, get wisdom. You say, well, why is this so important? Because wisdom is skill in living, and it, it allows us to make wise decisions along a path that will bring glory to God, good to 
those around us and joy to ourselves. And so week one, appreciated Pastor Kyle taking us into chapter one, which was really the source of wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord, a right relationship with God and living in with reverent awe and respect and just acknowledge who he is and who we are. And it's that humble place of, of just um, keeping this always in view. I loved his definition of the good life. The good life is this, and this is the, what the book of Proverbs leads us into, God-fearing worship that leads to God-given wisdom. And so we, uh, week one was the source of wisdom. Week two appreciated Pastor Tyle last week, taking us into an arena that we all experience in the realm of family, which is conflict. And how do we navigate conflict with wisdom? And Proverbs 4 was what we unpacked, where the core text there was, above all else, guard your heart, because from it flows the, flows the wellspring of life, or life um, all that we do. And so the heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. And just loaded with that, with helpful advice last week. Well, this week we are headed into a, another realm. And the, uh, but before we do, quick uh, update on as a team, one of the practices that we're doing this throughout this series, throughout the, the month of August is we're reading through the book of Proverbs one chapter a day. There's 31 chapters, so you just pick the, chap- the date and, um, and go after that. So what is today? The 15th, so it'd be chapter 15. So if you're just joining us, we'd love for you to jump in. And, it's just, and, and then as you read that chapter, just pick one proverb and t- pack that with you that day and allow God to be speaking to us throughout the day. I remember this was a habit that became precious to me in middle school. It's a challenge to do this. Proverbs is written really geared towards young people. And so I thought, I'll start doing this. I'll confess my motives were not pure at the time. I was like, if I do this, God will bless me with a beautiful girl, which he did. A, uh, good grades and good success, you know, on the basketball court and, and uh, popularity, you know. And so bad motives, <laughs> but, uh, but God used it despite my motives to guide me towards a, a life that would be honoring to him. And so grateful. So talking with dad a couple weeks ago, come to find out for the past five, and my dad, I would say, we'd all, if you know him, he's topped out on wisdom. For the past five years, he's been doing this at, the, at this season in his life. And he's reminding me, God's word is rich, so rich, isn't it? This is God's wisdom on how life works. Relevant for every season. Every season of life's a little different. Different landmines in each season. And the wisdom of God helps us, guides us, not step on those, but rather follow him into a life that would honor him. And so we, uh, we'll go ahead and dig into our text today. It's, it's uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Start out this way. Solomon says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. And so notice right off the bat here, the tone of this text, the tone in the context is, my son. This is coming from a heart full of love, a dad to his child. And this is like many, some of you have been, have had to drop your kids off at college. And you know you, it's those moments where you just give them, okay, if, if, if you, you need anything, take this. And I, for our kids, I remember having a sticky note where I said, okay, these three things I want to communicate sometime in the drive or these, these final, this is for me to them. And what's my hope? What's your hope as a parent? And 
Solomon's hope, but our Father's hope for us. What's his hope? Don't you love it? It's that your life would be long and that you would thrive in living. Not just quality, quantity of years, but quality of years. That we would flourish. You know, it's, it's just encouraging to know and comforting to know that our Father in heaven, he wants our life to thrive. To thrive in him as we walk with him and know him and experience the joy of, of a life lived in step with him. That's his desire. And so he's given us um, this, this wisdom. And what we're going to discover here is five core proverbs to pack with us and live in light of as we experience life. And specifically, these, these are good for every moment of life, but specifically really important for those game-on moments of life. So the big idea is simply this, the challenge. Proverbs to pack when, when it's game on, or five proverbs to pack, equipping us to live wise when it's game on. Now, when I say game on, what I mean is, it may literally mean game on when you're um, in a game, a sport, a competition, and the testosterone is high, and the, the uh, competition is fierce, and there's conflict that, that's maybe happening. Um, how do we live wise in those moments? But, but it's much bigger than that, and it may be game on relationally. When you're about to have a conversation with somebody that matters, and it's one of those, it's going to define the relationship kind of conversation. It's game on. It may be game on in the realm of decision making, where you've come to that crossroad in your life, and you've got to choose this way or that way. It's game on. It may be game on in the realm of temptation, where, where you're being tempted to do this or that. And how do you win that moment, live for the glory of God, do good when it's game on? You, you just picture this dad looking at this child, knowing they're going to face these game on moments. It may be a game on moment in, in the realm of processing a trial. You're in the doctor's office, and you're going to hear that word cancer. And how are you going to navigate those moments? Game on. Five proverbs to pack. When it's game on. So the first one is this. We see it there in verse 3. It's let love and faithfulness never leave you. Verse 3 says, let love and faithfulness. Love is pursuing the good of the, another person. And faithfulness is being a person of our word. Keeping our promise. Let them never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of man. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. That word never, does God mean never? He does. Every moment, every step of our lives. And he emphasizes this you can feel the urgency build and the importance of this build as he says bind them around your neck now this is what they would do with a, a precious jewel or if you had a, a ring that you wanted to keep safe I know when we travel internationally I have a, a little brown pouch that I'll I'm, I'm, I'm playing to win against the pickpocketers so I put all my stuff my visa my money all my stuff in this pouch and hang it around my neck and I know it's a could be a choke chain but they got to choke me out to get it and uh Bind them around your neck. It's that important. The valuable stuff is right here. And write them on the tablet of your heart. Tattoo them right here. One, two, three, four, five. Write these down. 
Let, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Why is this so important? And notice he says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. That's the ultimate, right? To live a life that's pleasing to him is our goal, but also a good reputation and a good name among those around us. And does this remind you of anyone? Any thoughts coming to mind? We, in the Old Testament, it, it's the words used describe, to describe Samuel, the priest. But in the New Testament, Luke 2, 52, it's the words used to describe our Lord as he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. But those two words, love and faithfulness, appear in another place that's really neat as you think about this calling on our lives when Moses asked God, can I see your glory? God said, come up to the mountain and I'll show it to you. He showed him his glory and he describes it with what words? Several words, but of those words, love. He's, he's, our God is abound. The glory of our God is that he's abounding in love and faithfulness. So that his calling on our lives is to reflect his glory. How often? Always. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. So I was coaching Chad's fifth grade basketball team. We're in the heat of competition. I look across the court, and there's a dad of one of our players sitting by himself yelling at his son. And, it, and whatever he's yelling is discombobulating his son. His son's like spinning in circles and all. He's just not in the game. Come to find out, this dad was telling his son to run man-to-man defense when our team was running zone. Like, what in the world? I'm not happy. As soon as I find that out, time out, and that son is sitting on the bench, and as soon as there's a break in the game, I'm headed beelining straight towards that dad with a word to say. It's a game on conversation. So I take off that necklace, love, and I set it on the bench. And then, no, no, no. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Now, now hold on. There's life, there's church, there's those moments that, yeah, we love each other and family and Christmas and whatever. But there's moments like this that something just needs to be said. <laughs> Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and those around us. And so how do we live wise when it's game on? The second proverb to pack is there in verses 5 and 6. The proverb is this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Here you can just imagining, imagine the dad seeing the son's life and knowing that many times the son will be tempted to lead a self-led life and go his way versus, versus God's way. And he's saying, you know, um, don't do that. Trust in the Lord. Yield to his will. Let your primary prayer be, your will be done. Again, who do we see living this out? It's our Lord and Savior. Your will be done, not my will. Trust in the Lord. Notice the word all. I think it's that word that creates some tension in the text. Trust in the Lord with how much of our heart? <laughs> with all of it? 
Submit to Him in how many of our ways? All of our ways. I know when it comes to trusting the Lord or yielding to His will, it's like, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you with 98% of my life, but there's this 2% that I really need to win at all costs. So if it means taking off the necklace of love and faithfulness, and I just got to do it. Here he's saying, no, 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 no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And isn't it just a precious truth that when we do it says the lord makes our path straight it's the joy of a god-led life can you imagine having the creator of the universe making pat making your way straight guiding um, your steps and and uh providing for you as you go and this is exactly what he does i love the way joshua you know who had a quite an eventful life as a leader and Uh, fought many a battle, faced many a a giant, and yet at the end of his life, Joshua chapter 23, verse 14, he says, he's speaking to the leaders, about to die, and he says this, now I am about to go the way of all the earth, and you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises of the Lord your God has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled, not one has failed. Isn't that great? Is our God faithful? Is he trustworthy? Can we trust him? Oh, yeah, he is faithful. And so the second proverb, trust in the Lord with all your heart. How do we live wise when it's game on? Third proverb is do not be wise in your own eyes. Verse 7, he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. So this comes back to really that right relationship with our God, seeing him as he is, submitting to him, and shun evil. Evil is the absence of God and so it's just staying close to our God verse 8 this will bring health interesting he goes to um, the effects of uh, not being wise in our own eyes and fearing God actually has a physical effect on us psychosomatic would be the technical term but it says this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bone good for your bones good for your bones part of our wellness plan um, Matt you know, helping people get fit. How do we do that? Well, one of those things is don't be wise in your own eyes. Here God is calling us to live awake to the reality that we don't see ourselves accurately, see our life or our, ourselves accurately. Have, have you found this to be one of the most painful realities of life to, <laughs> to have to swallow and, and admit? I have massive blind spots when it comes to seeing my life accurately. In fact, right now as I look out, there's 50% of me that I can't even see physically and <laughs> in other ways, right? And so we need each other. It's a call to walk humbly with our Lord and with one another to be teachable, to seek counsel, and to welcome correction when it comes, when people love us enough to, to speak truth. You know, if, if you've ever coached a team, you, you see this clearly in the players, right? A player who is wise in their own eyes, what's their growth ceiling? It's right, it's down here. If they're like, ah, I already know it all, they're not going to improve much that season. But you get a player who's thirsty, hungry, and realizing, I need help. What's, the potential is huge. We see it so clearly in that, but, but we struggle to apply it to our own lives, don't we? We like to be the wise one, the teacher, the coach, the the one people comes to for answers rather than saying, you know what, until the day I die, I will need 
wisdom. I, there's, um, do not be wise in your own eyes. I was thinking about almost every bad decision I've made. A decision I regret was made in a vacuum where it was just me, you know. I didn't go out and say, hey, what do you think about this? And, but what a gift. If, throughout this series, we've, I've, in my head, I've been making best advice ever, a best advice ever list for family. And it's not the Lord's word, so it's not even close. But, you know, those are helpful tips. And can I give one on premarital counseling, the best advice ever for premarital counseling before you get married? Okay, here it is. Best advice ever. Before you get married, when you're starting to date someone with the intent of marriage, go to your family, the people who know you best, love you most, and ask them um, red, yellow, green flags. Green, go for it. Yellow, at red, no. And just let them say, red, yellow, green. And I'm telling you, that, if those people, it's a gift of God, and it will save you a, a lifetime of hurt and pain if, if there are some reds that pop up and the relationship, or at least needs to be slowed down. So anyway, that was off track. But uh, moving on to number four, the uh, how do we live wise when it's game on? Here it's kind of neat. If, if we would do the first proverb, do the second proverb, do the third proverb, it's almost as if Solomon is envisioning good things are going to happen. Your, your life is going to take a good path. And there will be very likely wealth. And by wealth, um, just a success, a blessing of um, this is how life works. And now this isn't a promise in, and especially in the, under the new covenant. Jesus, in the old covenant, the um, part of the following God was tied to a, a promise that if you do this, God will materially bless you, prosper you uh, financially. That was old covenant. And that's no longer New Covenant. Now, in the New Covenant, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 9, we are taught to be generous. And as we're generous, God will provide more for us to give. But, um, but there's no promise of, of financial prosperity. But the principle still stands. We'll go ahead and get to it here. The proverb is this, honor the Lord with your wealth. Verses 9 and 10, he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. And so the proverb is this, honor the Lord with your wealth. So, wealth, what, what is that? It's more than enough. So Solomon is envisioning his kid coming to that point in his life when he has more than enough. What do you do when you have, God provides for you with, financially and more than enough or it may be a wealth of time you have the opportunity to retire the wealth of talent you can share first thing the first move and this is for us is to honor the lord with it notice the word first fruits and you say why first fruits that means when you're harvesting a crop you give him the very first for me when i was back in the day uh, my first job was mowing and mom and dad taught me you know when you get that ten dollars from the widow next door, the first dollar goes to the Lord, and you give that to the Lord. Why do we do that? What's the wisdom in that? And then he says, uh, the first fruits of all your crops. Why do we do this in every category of the provision that God gives us? It's because our hearts can become so susceptible to living 
self-sufficient rather than in dependence on him when we are in a season of prosperity or a season of wealth. When God blesses us, it's so easy to drift from a humble, dependent walk on him and remember that he's the one who's given us all of this. It's his wealth. It's his provision. It's his, say, well, I worked hard. It was a game on moment at work and I brought my best and I went to school and I did all this, but who gave us the ability to do all that? (laughs) You know, who gave us the health, the strength, the the resources? And and so when we honor him with our wealth, whatever category that may be, it keeps us in that right relationship and ultimately that's our purpose of, of worshiping him. Thank you, Lord, for providing this for me. All right, and then on to the fifth category of, uh, or the fifth proverb, how do we live wise when it's game on? And the fifth one is this, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Verse 11 and 12, he says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not, do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So when God corrects us, it's not a punishing us, but rather it's a training us up so that we might become more like him. And here, he, here God is reminding us that he loves us enough to discipline us when we're headed in a wrong direction. When we're intentionally or unintentionally hurting him, hurting others, hurting ourselves because of unconfessed sin, he will uh, allow us to experience painful circumstances to get our attention, to check us up, and to lead us to confession and, and to repentance. Hebrews 12 fleshes this out in the New Covenant, and it says God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. So Solomon's saying, inevitably, the time's coming as you're going to be disciplined by the Father. Don't resent that, resist that, get mad at that, but rather accept that, treasure that, And when you do, keep your eyes in the Father's face, meaning look at his eyes. He's not angry with you. He loves you. And I love the way he puts as a a father who delights in his son. (laughs) Father delights in you. Isn't that a great thought today? Like as God looks at you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in him, you're his child. He delights in you. But he loves us enough to discipline us. Growing up, we used to take uh, family walks around the block and fun to do with, you know, just out hanging with family. And we would, we lived right down the road off uh, Mackey Road, Sunset Drive. And we were walking up Western Drive one day and it tees into Mill Street and the Methodist Church right there, the food pantry. And so I um, grabbed a rock and I wanted to impress my family with my fastball. And so I went and was going to chuck that at the stop sign, chucked it. And my dad immediately corrected me. And John, we don't throw rocks at stop sign. I still remember my immediate reaction, which was anger. I do too. It's what me and my friends do all day. It's why stop signs exist. For boys to practice target throwing. (laughs) What could possibly be wrong with throwing a rock at a stop sign? Well, he went on to fill my my logic gap with, there are cars driving down Mill Street. What if you miss? I don't miss, I thought to myself. Okay, let's talk about this pile of rocks in Mr. Odell's nicely mowed lawn that you're leaving. And the, the other consequences, 
unintended consequences. Okay, there was a gap of about 25 plus years between this boy and this man, and there's this massive amount of wisdom. I just didn't see that as a boy. How big is the logic gap between finite creatures of 70 years and a God who is eternal? <laughs> it's like, okay, I might need some discipline. Now, as big, big kids, we don't throw rocks anymore at stop signs, most of us. But we do throw hurtful words when it's game on. Sitting in the stands, part of our cultural thing is if the ref makes a bad call, what do you do? You rip the ref, Jesus follower. Driving home with your kid. It's been a, you know, a kindergarten soccer game. They lost. Your kid showed some serious signs of, oh man, they, they need to make some improvements or their life is just going to, mm. So... You're like, we got to have this talk. You're mad. Car family. Do you do it now? Yep, and you do it. You have this heated conversation about all the areas your kindergartner needs to <laughs> improve their soccer game. And dad, we, our words are powerful, aren't they? Powerful. I talk to people who sometimes they still remember, or most of it's probably something our dad said, and it just... And the Holy Spirit checks you up. Wrong place, wrong time. You need to go make that right with your son, your daughter. And the Father disciplines us. Why? So that we might share in his holiness. Aren't you thankful for the Father's discipline? And so he's saying here, hey, don't resent it when it comes. Um, allow him to, to speak into our lives because he loves us. He's helping us in that. All right. So what a gift God has given us in these five core Proverbs, really big picture Proverbs, but especially helpful in those moments when it's game on. I was reflecting on these as I was mowing yesterday, thinking, okay, how am I doing on each one? And I had a discouraging thought. Pretty sure I've failed in every one of these this past week. And it brought me back to that reality that number one, guys, when we get together to open God's word. It's not a self-help thing of, hey, let's all go do this and be perfect this week. We can't. Number one is, it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we even receive the forgiveness of our sin and, and the areas that we fail, but we also receive the grace to do these things. But even on a good day, we're still going to need grace for our failure. And that just it led me to worship and remember to keep my eyes on the cross, keep my eyes on my Lord. Who lived all these things out with perfection? Jesus did. He's the hero, you know, and every one of these. He, he lived perfectly for us. We get credit for the perfect life that he lived through faith in him. But now, grace is opposed to earning. We can't earn God's favor through grace, but grace is never opposed to effort. And who is going to empower us and give us the, the grace to do these this week a little better than we did last week? And it's Jesus Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with him, that's the first step. And I would invite you into that to receive his forgiveness, um, accepting him as your Lord and as your Savior, confessing your sin and, and following him. And then for all of us who know him and are following him, just to say, all right, 
God does his work in our heart through his word. So this week, let's groove these things so that eventually they're like mes- muscle memory, you know, where you're not thinking about it so much as, as just this is, is wisdom that I'm living on. Five core um, proverbs to help us when it's game on. Because when it's game on, often that's when our testimony is up for grabs. You know, I think about many of us are out on those sports fields and uh, seeking to be a witness for Christ. And there's a lot at stake. Um, and so may we live these out for the glory of God. The end goal is that he would be glorified. So picture you as a... Uh, as I was thinking through game on moments, I was picturing the stands, how we're going to interact as we sit in those stands this week. I was picturing the coaches' sideline, and those of you who are coaches, I'm putting these proverbs into play. Then I was picturing that playing field and players out there, game on moments, and what a gift God has given us. And then I was picturing parents as you. Sit around the dinner table as you make those drives home, as you interact with your kids. May God guide us as we put these, uh, these proverbs into play. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for giving us your wisdom, preserving this for us. And Jesus, we look to you, and this morning we just worship you as we watch you live, and you live these things out in perfection. You embody this, and but you also empower us to live this out, and we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for your grace in our lives, and we do confess how we failed in these areas. We ask you to forgive us, but also, Lord, would you empower us to go out today and and to live for your glory, to live wise, especially in those moments when it's game on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.